0: You are listening to the Passion City Church podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Louis Giglio. Hello, Passion City Church. It's so good to be together. And I don't know about you, but I'm loving this little collection of talks that we're in at the table with Jesus. What an incredible thought that you and I are invited. This is what we talked about last week in week one. We talked about the power of an invitation, specifically the invitation to you and to me to sit at the table with the king. I just wanna let that sink in for a moment. I want us to soak up the power, the majesty, the mystery of that reality that you and I are invited by the creator of the universe into a relationship with him. That's why. We were created we were created for communion and we're invited to the table i was thinking about this little restaurant in tokyo uh sukiyabashi jiro and it's a world-renowned famous sushi place obviously and it has 10 seats at a counter Uh, I think the only sushi restaurant possibly to ever uh, gain three Michelin stars. So this place is off the charts, amazing, but unfortunately no one can go because it's one of, if not the most exclusive restaurant in the world. So you got to be lucky or know somebody or have the right connection to get one of those 10 seats every single night. And I'm thinking about how powerful the invitation would be if someone said you can come and sit in one of those 10 seats, but still not as powerful as the most exclusive table in the universe. And that's no restaurant. That's no place that you got to call six months in advance. That's no place that you got to know somebody or have the secret code or password. That's a table of the almighty God. And it is an exclusive table because there's only one Jesus and he's inviting you into a relationship with him. I love how Jesus himself says it in John's Gospel, chapter 14, in verse six. Jesus says, I am the way. Don't you love the the power of that, the clarity of that, the conviction of that? Jesus knows who he is. So this invitation is coming to us from someone who's certain of his identity. And he says, I am, that statement, I am, referring back to to, I am that I am, has sent you that story of deliverance from Exodus. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. In other words, I'm not just one of the ways, and I'm not just offering truth, and I'm not pointing to life. I am the way. I am the truth embodied in me. And I am the one who is life and the one who gives life. And then he says, and no one comes to the father, but through me. So we're talking about a table that is exceptional, a table that is rare air, a table that We we should all be asking today, how in the world did we get to this table? Because though it is the most exclusive table in the world, it's a table that anyone through Jesus Christ can come and dine at. It's the table of a king. And what I wanna talk about a little bit today is just what can you expect at the table? Because this is an invitation, and together I hope a lot of us will be on the journey through at the table with Jesus. And we talked about this last week, but the book is out, the book's available. I'm gonna start on the journey of 66 days on Wednesday. Uh, that's this coming Wednesday, the 6th of, uh, of April. And I'll be starting on the journey. And I hope some of you'll start on the journey with me as well. You may already have a copy and you may be already be on the journey right now. But if you're thinking about taking 66 days to rethink, to reprogram, to redevelop your brain and a a new habit in your life, then what can you expect at the table with the King? That's what I want us to think about for a few minutes today. What can we expect if we take the invitation to sit at the table with Jesus? I don't know about you. Maybe you're a planner and maybe the thought of a restaurant with 10 seats freaks you out and you'd be working overtime to figure out how you were going to get a reservation how many months in advance you had to plan whatever the details were to make it all work out. Maybe you're one of those kind of people. Somebody invites you and you're like, okay, where are we going? And you immediately go into research mode. Maybe just a you know, happy-go-lucky and hey, we're going wherever. That's great. I don't need to know anything about it. Let's go. But maybe you're one of those people that's going to pull up Yelp, right? And you're going to check out the reviews and see if this place really is all that. Maybe you're going to go to the website. Anybody here going to do that? We're going out to dinner somewhere. We're going to be dining at a table, and you're going to go to the website. You're going to try to get your eyes on this place. You're going to download the menu. Anybody? Yeah? You're going to download the menu. You're going to look through all the options. You're going to decide what you're going to have when you get there, and as, you know, it happens a lot. We've been online, we looked at the menu, we got our heart set on something, we got our mouth set on something, and then we get there and like, oh, we don't have that in this season right now. And you're like, ah, but I went to the the website and I checked out the menu. Uh, Maybe you've already checked the vibe, you've already tried to assess out what is the dress code, you wanted to see some photos of what does the food look like, what does the place look like, and what do the tables look like, and maybe if you're really into it, you're already trying to angle on like, which table are we gonna be at, when we get there, you're, you're doing your research, you wanna know what can I expect when we get to the table. And uh, maybe you're going with someone you don't know that well or going with somebody you don't know at all and so you've asked around, well, what is he like? What is she like? I'm just trying to get my head around what to expect when we get there. And so I wanna ask that question today. What can we expect if we take the invitation to sit down at the table with Jesus, a few things. You can expect, based on the eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus, that if you sit down at the table with Jesus, you are going to receive grace. Isn't that what we all need? You can expect that if you say yes and you show up, no matter what's gone down, no matter what is in the story, no matter what's in the past, that if you sit at this table, grace is gonna be on the table. I was thinking about Luke 15, the most famous probably parable of all, the story of the lost things and how when the son is coming home, he's coming home to a table. He's coming home to a feast. The father says, kill the fatted lamb. And they throw a party. What, what happens at the party? There's food. There's uh, hospitality. There's uh, abundance. There's laughter there. There's music there. There's dancing there. There's celebration there. There's a table there. That's the picture that God is giving us. And do you know what was being served that night? It, it wasn't just that there was tenderloin in the mix. What was being served that night was amazing grace, mystifying grace, mind-boggling grace. It was a picture of the table of Jesus. I was thinking about another place in Luke in chapter 7, and these are all snapshots that if you've been around church for a minute, you know them all really well. But in Luke chapter 7, there's another table. And at this particular table, a Pharisee has invited Jesus to dinner. And I love that he went because Jesus is about the table. He's inviting you to his table, and if necessary, he'll come and sit at yours for a minute. And so he goes to this Pharisee's house. Now, remember, the Pharisees are those who externally have got it all together. Internally, not so much. But externally, they've got a good front going. And here's Jesus now, God in human skin, who knows the problems way deeper than the external. Somebody's got to have the power to fix the internal. And Jesus is walking on planet earth to bring dead things to life. He's not walking on planet earth to applaud external efforts and external uh, persona. He's, He's here to raise the dead. And this Pharisee with the beautiful exterior invites him to his house. And it says now, Uh, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And so he went to have dinner with him and he went to his house and here's our phrase, he reclined at the table. And so he's in the mix with, we don't know who, but this would be the upper crust, and these are the important people, and this is the invite you wanted to get. This is the, the, the crowd that you wanted to be with, and so Jesus says, okay, I'll come, and he comes, and here they're all reclining at the table, the picture again, uh, heads all toward the table on, on sort of a low sofa-type vibe, feet Outside, uh, going the other way, because feet are dusty and mucky uh, in this day. And so everybody's leaned in towards the table, towards the food. All all the people are in conversation together. All the feet are over there. And as everybody's talking, and I'm sure, and pressing each other with their stories and who they know and what they did and what they're planning on and what they're involved in and how great all their stuff is and all their efforts are. And everybody's putting on their very best. Something crazy happens. It says, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind Jesus at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and she wiped them with her hair, and she kissed them and poured perfume on them Now, what we don't know about this moment is what interaction Jesus would have had with this woman. But obviously something has gone down. Either she's heard him teach, she has a friend who had a conversation with him, she knew somebody who'd gotten healed, she knew someone who'd gotten forgiven, she was there when he performed a miracle, or maybe they met on on, on the street and he said something to her or connected with her in some way, but she now is coming to him to say, I understand that you're the one who is unlike all the other people here At this dinner. You are not about the external. You are not about putting on a front. You're about changing things and giving people a second chance and a third chance and another shot and another life and another, another way. And so she's at his feet now, and in effect, she's worshiping him. She's pouring out something of great worth to her on his feet. She's weeping and she's moved and she's wiping his feet with her hair and The host freaks and he's like, "Uh uh-oh, this is all going wrong because this guy's claiming to be a prophet but obviously he's not a man of God because if he was a man of God, he would know what kind of woman this is that's washing his feet. And Jesus instantly moves into gospel mode and he starts breaking it down for everybody at the meal. If you've read the text, he Uses this illustration and says, Suppose that two people owe money. One owes a lot and one owes a little, but they both get their debts forgiven and wiped off the books. Who's going to be more grateful? And the host, they answer, they get it. Everybody, you know, kind of nods along and says, Obviously, the person that owed the most is going to be the most grateful. And he says, And that is this woman right here. He said, When I walked into this place, nobody else washed my feet. Nobody wanted to uh, welcome me in that form or fashion but here is this woman pouring out this valuable gift and with her tears she's expressing gratitude to me and he says this about her he looks at her and he says your sins are forgiven so here we're at a meal where the least likely person in town now is in the picture We've got all the external boxes checked, but now we've got somebody who has a record in the town and everybody knows who she is and what she's about. And yet Jesus utters these words Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And then Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You can expect, if you take Jesus up on this invitation and you arrive at this table, you can expect that grace is going to be on the table. Now, I already can feel something rising up in somebody going, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, it's not all grace. It's not all grace. Oh, it's not all grace. Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. And we're about to go there. But before we take another step, can I just tell you today, does it matter how far you've run or what you've done or what is in the story? Grace is on the table today. And when you come up to drive and you knock on the front door and you're coming to that moment where you're reconnecting with Jesus, don't let the enemy tell you that you're going to get run over by a freight train of condemnation. Because grace, amazing grace, is on the table. The second thing you can expect when you sit down at the table with Jesus, and I love this about him, is that he's going to speak the truth in love. This is what we're called to do one to another. Speak the truth to each other, but speak the truth in love. You know, you can do that, actually. You can actually say the right thing, but you can also say it in the right spirit and with the right heart. So the scripture is calling us to call each other up to truth. But the scripture also says it's important how you speak the truth to each other. So speak the truth in love. And where do we learn that? We learn that from Jesus himself. Mark chapter 10 verse 17, another one of these snapshots um, that we know very well. A guy comes to Jesus and he's interested in what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is talking about another kingdom. He's talking about a heavenly kingdom. He's talking about something greater than the temporary moment we call life on planet earth. And this guy comes to him. He's described as a rich young man. So we we don't know how much he's got and we're not exactly sure how old he is, but when we come to the end of the story, we figure out he's got a lot. And he, as Jesus started on his way, this is verse 17, Mark 10. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. So something powerful is happening as Jesus is moving from town to town. And he says, good teacher, What must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, I've got all this other stuff going already, but I know there's got to be something more. And Jesus says, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So Jesus is kind of tipping his hat to what we're seeing and at the table with Jesus, that he is in fact God. And then he goes to what The default would be with this young man. He goes to the commandments and he says, well, you know the commandments and he goes through some of them. And the guy looks at him and he says, yeah, I've done my best to keep all these since I was a boy. In verse 21, Jesus looked at him. I want you to notice this phrase. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Isn't that awesome? Because this story is gonna end in a tragedy this story is going to end with the young man being empty-handed. This story is not going to end up with a guy lingering at the table with the king. We don't know if there's a reconnection later in in time. We we don't know if this guy uh, came to his senses as well and uh, came back to what Jesus said. But what we do know is That Jesus is operating now in the way that he normally operates. And it's what you can expect if you sit down at the table with him. He's gonna speak the truth and he's gonna speak the truth in love. He looked at him. So, can we just stop there for a moment? He looked at him. He's looking right at this guy. So, another thing you can expect, it's not really in the list, but you can expect Jesus is gonna make eye contact with you. Can, Can we just establish, by the way, that that's an important social norm? If you're going to go to dinner with some people, if you're going to somebody's house, if you're meeting somebody for the first time, if you're out at a business lunch or just having coffee with some people, make eye contact. That's how we establish trust with people and communication with people. And that's where relationships are bonded. It's in eye contact. And Jesus looked at him. And when you go through the gospels, he saw her. He looked at her. He looked on them. He looked on the city. He's always looking and he's always seeing. He saw the man. He looked at the man. He looked at the woman. He, he saw the, the, the people. He, he's always making eye contact. He's going to make eye contact with you. You sit down at the table with him. He's not going to be staring up at the ceiling. He's not going to be kind of darting all over the place with those, with those I can't trust you eyes. He's not going to be looking down at the table. He's not going to be checking his watch. He's not going to be on his phone. He's going to be making eye contact with you. I love it. It's just a simple thing. But Jesus looked at him. And not only did he look at him, he loved him. And not only did he love him, he leveled with him. He said to him, well, there's one thing that you still need to do. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. And then, here's how you get to eternal life, come and follow me. Sadly, at this, the man's face fell And he went away sad, because he had great wealth. Jesus looked at him, and that's what he's gonna do when you sit down, he's gonna look at you, he's gonna say, hey. He loved him, and that's what he's gonna do when you sit down, he's gonna tell you how much he loves you. And then he leveled with him. He told him the truth, but he told him the truth in love. The third thing you can expect, and I'll speed up through a few of these snapshots, you can expect that if you take Jesus up on this invitation, he's gonna get to the heart of the matter. In other words, it's not gonna be idle chit chat for uh, the next 15 years. Probably in the first 15 minutes of sitting there, he's gonna find his way to the heart of the matter. I wonder what that is for you today. And it might be why some of us aren't taking him up on the invitation. It may be that you know if this is just like some devotional nuggets and there's some good encouragement here, I'll, I'll come, but if we're gonna really have to cut to the chase, I'm not sure I'm ready to do that. Well, Jesus is ready to do it because he came to set you free. I'm thinking about that moment when in John chapter four, he met that woman at the well and they're having what seems like a random conversation, but Jesus is circling pretty quickly to get to the heart of the matter and he does when she says I don't have a husband and he goes I know we've been through a lot of husbands I want to get to the heart of the matter and that's what he's going to want to do with you and I just want to encourage you that if you remember that grace is on the table and you know that he's always going to speak the truth in love, then let him get to the heart of the matter. Let him get to that place that you're really not sure you want to get to, or that place that's sensitive, or that place that's painful, or that place you don't want to go back to, or that place that you're trying to forget about, or that place that you're trying to keep covered over. Let him go there. That's what he wants to do, because he knows he has the power to change things. And he knows what you need most today is not another meal with a king. You need Something changed inside of you. I think the fourth thing you can expect is that he's going to open your eyes to see him more clearly. You know, if there ever was a let me top that guy to go to dinner with, it would be Jesus, right? (laughs) I mean, what could you say? Well, how was your day? Well, it was amazing. We uh, climbed XYZ Mountain today and it was phenomenal. And he's like, yeah, I know I made that mountain. (laughs) Oh, great. Uh, You know, we all have that person in our life, right? You're just like, you can't ever get anything good established in the record. You know, it's like, I got a new car. What kind did you get? I got a Ford Explorer. Oh, that's amazing. My grandfather went to school with Henry Ford's brother. Oh, okay. Next thing. (laughs) Let me top that. Let me top that. Jesus could top all the stuff, and he's not interested in that. He's not interested in impressing everyone at the table and impressing you, but he is interested in revealing himself more and more to you. He's interested in allowing your spiritual vision to clarify every single time that you're with him. And I love that. That is the potential of every day on earth. And it is what heaven is really all about. It's about full sight but none of us see him fully right now. None of us are looking 2020 at Jesus right now. We're all looking through a glass dimly, as Paul said, and we've got an amazing snapshot through the gospels and we have a connection through the spirit, but we got a lot to discover. In our relationship with him, and he wants to be a part of that process. So going back to John 4, and this woman, uh, they end up having a kind of a left turn question about worship. And she says, You know, our ancestors worshiped in this mountain, and the Jews worship in that mountain. And I don't know which mountain is the right mountain. And then she comes down and says, I know that Messiah is coming. I know that the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll be able to make sense of all this. And then Jesus says, the line I love in this story, he says, the one who is speaking to you is he. And what does that mean? It means that Jesus was interested in revealing to this lady, not eight relationship principles, Not, I'm glad you came to the well today. Uh, Let me give you some advice because apparently you're really terrible at relationships. So I'm gonna give you seven key things that you can take these and, and, and everything will work out a little bit better for you. No, he wanted her eyes to be open Not to see the principles. Maybe she needed some relationship principles or a a good book on on marriage or a marriage retreat or seminar. None of that stuff is bad, but apparently there was something at the heart of the matter that Jesus himself could address. Not that Jesus with five things could address, but that he himself, his love, his grace, his significance, the worth that he could transfer. The value that he could transfer, the heart deep underneath the wound that he could speak to and touch and heal. And what he wanted her to see is the solution to your heart is sitting right in front of you. And so when you come to the table, yes, bring something to write with because it's likely that God's going to teach you something. But when you come to the table, come with the expectation that it's not a a list of four things that you need, and he can sign off on them and go, hey, thanks for coming. That when you come to the table, what you need is the person sitting at the table. And what he wants to do, I believe for me, for you, for all of us, is day by day to open our eyes to see him. I I don't think we can emphasize this enough, especially for those of us who have been in the context of church culture all our lives and somehow have maybe reduced some of this down to principles or to, I got my nugget for the day or my truth for the day or my mantra for the day or my meditation thought for the day and I'm good. And he's like, no, it's not about that. It's about a relationship with me. And if you sit down at this table, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna shine a spotlight on me. Not because I'm an egomaniac and I need attention. I am the light of the world. But I'm gonna shine a light on me because you're distracted. And I'm your solution. And whatever this conversation we get into, at some point, I'm gonna go, and it's me. And you need me. And yes, you need peace, but I'm the prince of peace. And I don't just give peace, I come stand in your storm and bring peace. He's gonna open your eyes, open my eyes to see him. Five, he's gonna be enough when you get to the table. John chapter two, Jesus isn't ready to go public yet, but his mom uh, you know, wants him to do something at this wedding. And so when they run out of wine at this wedding ceremony and celebration, um, she knows stuff about him. We, we don't really know in the seams exactly what prompted her. Like, had he done stuff at the house? You know, had he, you know, been performing miracles in the, in the carpenter shop? You know, we don't really know what made her say this. But when they ran out of wine and they freaked out, she said to him, you can do something. And he was like, mom, I'm not ready to like take my step out into the world yet. And then she looked at the servant and she said to the servant, this is in John's gospel chapter two, just do whatever he says. Wow. That's a whole nother message in that. She just says to these servants, you're out of wine. Okay. Do whatever he says. And he's like, mom. And then they're like, okay, what do you want us to do? He looked over and there were six big pots that they used for ceremonial cleansing. And he said, fill those pots up with water. And they did. And then he said, take a sample and take it to the guy running the party. So they do. And they take it to this guy and he drinks the wine and he's like, what in the world is going on? He goes to the host of the wedding. And he says, man, you got it all backwards. (laughs) He serves the real good wine first. And then it says in the text, when people have had a few glasses, then you bring out like, you know, the B grade and the C grade and, you know, the box wine and whatever. You don't, you don't serve the best last. So what does that mean? It, it means when you come to this table, A, that there's always going to be abundance on this table because Jesus, if there was nothing on the table, could just say to the servant, fill those six pots up with water. Bam, and we've got not only wine, we've got like top level, A class. We got the best because it's him. And so I just wanna remind you that when you come to this table, again, we're not beggars trying to find a crumb on the floor. No, that is not who we are. I know that sounded good for a bunch of years for a lot of us that we're just, I'm just another beggar trying to help another beggar find bread. And we're just all down here under the table of the king and, you know, we're looking for a scrap or, you know, anything that fell off the side of the tray and, oh man, there's a little nugget down there. No, when you come sit at this table, I am telling you, there is everything you could possibly need for every moment of your life times a trillion is at this table. This is a table of abundance. There is no scarcity here. There's no checking like, you know, what's the price on this one? There's no getting out the calculator to add up exactly what is 15% for the tip. This table is a table of abundant miracle power. And so when you come and sit down, don't feel bad about saying to Jesus, I believe you could change it. I believe you could do it again. I know what you've done in the past. I believe you could do it again. I've seen what you've done for others, and I believe you could do that in this story as well. I'm not coming here hoping for one little crumb. I'm coming here believing that I'm sitting at the table with the God of the universe. He turns water into wine. And so when he says, come and have a seat at the table, he's not thinking that it's going to be a microwaved Event. he's wanting you to know that everything you need for life is at the table with Jesus. I think you can also expect if you come to this table that God's gonna understand your situation. There's two more of these and then we'll close. If you sit down at this table, I want you to expect and be assured that you're gonna be felt and understood. You know, we come into so many conversations and we're trying to tell people what we're going through and tell people what we're dealing with and they're like, oh man, well, I'll pray for you. And you're like, man, you don't get it. Oh, that sounds terrible. You, you don't get it. Oh, man, you know, it's going to work out. No, you don't get it. You, you, you don't understand what I'm trying to tell you right now. You don't understand what it feels like to be in the, in the place that I'm in right now, to be going through what I'm going through right now. You don't really get it. And then I looked at Isaiah 53, and it talks about Jesus and how he's going to come and stand and die in our place. And it says about him that he was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Some translations say he was acquainted with grief. I mean, think about that. He was despised. A lot of us have been despised and It's still lingering in the atmosphere. He was rejected. A lot of us are struggling today because of rejection. And we still are trying to make our way over that hurdle today. We got sorrows, like real stuff. And we know suffering. Anybody like that in this place today? Well, I want to assure you that you can expect in the Yelp reviews of this table this guy he gets it he gets it maybe nobody in your circle gets it but Jesus gets it and if you sit down at this table you can fully expect that Jesus is going to identify with your pain your frustration your hurt your wound, your rejection, your loss, your difficulty, your disease, your diagnosis, your darkness. He is going to fully get it because he's acquainted with suffering. He didn't read about it in a book. He didn't study it somewhere. He lived it and breathed it and experienced it. And when you sit down with him, he's not gonna look at you and tell you to toughen up and he's not gonna look at you and tell you, oh man, that's that's not that big a deal. Don't you worry about it, let's just move on. He is gonna look at you and you're gonna see when he's eye to eye with you, that he feels your pain and he knows what you're talking about. And he's gonna be enough for you in that moment. And then lastly, and I love this one, If you come and take this invitation and sit at the table with Jesus, you can expect a few things, right? You can expect that grace is going to be on the table. Amen. Some of you need that today. Uh, Works is over. Uh, This is not a meal that you're going to go in the kitchen and prepare and a table that you're going to build and an invitation that you're going to extend. You just need to come today humbly and say, thank you that amazing grace is on the table today. I will receive it. I will actually eat it and celebrate in this meal because Jesus, you are the sacrificial lamb. You can expect he's going to speak the truth and love, going to get right to the heart of the matter. He's going to open your eyes to see it more clearly. You can expect abundance. He's going to be enough for you. You can expect him to understand you. But here's the key. You can expect if you sit down at this table that at some point, Jesus is going to get up from the table. Matthew's gospel, at the very end of it, we have what's called the Great Commission. We used to preach about it. A lot in the day Um, you don't hear as much about it in the church right now but it's still the plan The, the plan is yes there's a relationship and yes there's communion yes there's fellowship this is walking with God but life is about moving and not all about sitting and so yes come and be still yes come and know that I am God yes come and be quiet and and let's have a moment together yes let's connect but As we connect, Jesus is gonna move the conversation. So everything might not be resolved yet. Everything might not be finished yet. All the work he's doing inside of me might not be perfect yet. All the things I'm getting uh, renewed to in my mind might not be fully renewed yet. I might not be fully into the image of Christ yet. I might not be fully grounded in the word of God yet. I might not be fully the person God's developing me to be, but he's like, hey, we're work on all that. But as we're working on all that, let's start moving. Let's start moving. This was amazing, by the way. This was incredible connection today. Now let's start moving. See, what we have a tendency to want to do is say, you know, I'm going to spend 15 minutes with God. I'm going to have a quiet time. And that's awesome. Have a quiet time. I'm going to do a devotion. That's awesome. That will take you 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm going to have my moment with God. That's amazing. Have a moment with God. But what we did was we did that and then we went, okay, now I go to work. Now I go to class. Now I go to the gym. Now I go have lunch with a friend. Now I go do my things. And we might have a a reconnect at the end end of the day. Whoo, that was a day. Boy, man, that was something else. (laughs) Whoo, let's connect again because that was crazy. This is not the picture of the table. The picture of the table is this is amazing. Now let's go. Let's go to work. Let's go to class. Let's go to the gym. Let's go have lunch with your friend. Let's go... Meet the neighbor, let's go meet the need, let's go move out into the world, let's go do life. And then as we come back, it was like, wow, man, that was a day, wasn't it? Oh, was, Wow, we had a day today, didn't we? This is what the table looks like. It's Jesus saying, this abundance, this abundance isn't just for you. This abundance is to flow through you. So come on, let's go together into the world this is how he ends matthew's gospel it says then jesus came to them and he said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. This goes right back to where we started. I am the way I am the truth and I am the life. And if that is a reality, then you got to carry that message to everybody on planet earth, because this table is a rare table, but everybody's invited to it. This table is a, it's a one of a kind table, but the grace on it is so amazing that anyone can come through that grace and be saved. And so he says, go make disciples of every nation and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. So it sounds like he's saying from the table, okay, you go now, go do your thing, go do what I called you to do. But he ends this gospel by saying this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. In other words, table is great, but go to the whole world. Table is amazing, but we got a big mission. Table is incredible, but the city is dying. So go. Oh, and don't worry, I'm coming too. I'll be with you the whole way. If you come and take Jesus up on this invitation, I'm promising you this, not gonna be too long before you start catching his heart for the cities and for the nations and for the peoples of Earth, and you're gonna start moving out. And when you do, I believe you're gonna know the Jesus at the table like you've never known him before. Because when we move into his mission with him, we find a synergy and a depth of relationship that we may have never known before. It's that partnership, friendship of doing the most important things on earth together. And if you take him up and come and sit at the table, it's not gonna be long before he gets up and says, come on with me, let's go do something to change somebody's eternity. I love it. You can expect a trustworthy, loving friend, has all power and authority in heaven and on earth you can expect a big purpose and a big plan you can expect enough grace and enough mercy you can expect truth but you're always going to get it in love you can expect that things are going to change because he's going to get to the heart of the matter this invitation we take him up on it and come and sit at the table with the king If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church podcast.